welcome to the Young Critics Podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the film Dune. Um, I'm Colin Culleton and joining me are Jamie Waddle and Phil Spillane. Um, uh, welcome guys. And for those of you who don't know, Dune is a film that is, has been directed by Denis Villeneuve and uh, based on a book written by Frank Herbert. It's essentially a space epic. Um, to give a, a brief summary of where we start off, we, we're following Paul Atreides and the Atreides clan, who uh, their their clan moves to the planet Arrakis or Dune, which is a desert planet. They have to deal with political intrigue, I suppose, and uh, with against the an enemy uh, clan called the Harkonnens, and that's kind of that's kind of where the basics, without giving away any spoilers. I think one of the first things I, I, I kind of wanted to just have a chat about before we get into the film itself was um, that this this was one of those films. The debate about it was that you had to see it in the film in the in the cinema. You had to see it in the cinema. And there's some films like that and some that aren't. What are your opinions on that? So yeah, for me, this I really missed the cinema experience when um, cinemas were closed, and there's certainly a number of films I can think of that really stood out, but I think the one that really stood out to me the most is probably Gravity, which was a film which, when I saw it in the cinema, it's probably one of my favourite cinema experiences I'd had to date, because it was just so massive and all-encompassing, and the music and the score and everything was just amazing. And then you try and watch on a tiny little screen at home, and it just feels like a rubbish movie. I don't know what it is, it's just something about it being that massive is really what made it special for me. Um, definitely in terms of, of Dune, uh, it's such a spectacle, it's such an artistic movie. I think like I think it's gonna age brilliantly. I think I think it, it, it just looks so it just looks so beautiful. Some of the shots, especially the shots of the Baron, I thought were really, really cool. I thought that they made an excellent job of that um of that villain and some of the cinematography with him how he moved like a like a slug sometimes like a like a big worm when he was moving to the assault on that on that on that city i can't think of the the the, the, science, the fictional name of it right now but i think those scenes are going to become iconic in years to come and um and i think you have to see that in the cinema a hundred percent. It's such a big spectacle and such an exciting movie to see after such a long time for us film critics being locked away from going to the theatre. Um, what what a treat! What a huge treat! Um, we definitely have a space um, odyssey right here in front of us. You know, that's that's what it definitely what it felt like, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, and that's a film that really got that aged so well. Mm. But. Space Odyssey, the first time I watched that, I watched that on, on the TV, and I still enjoyed it. I wonder, because yeah. Phil, you say that it, it's, it's, you think it's going to be something that ages really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tend to, I would agree with that. But you also say that, you know, kind of has to be seen in the cinema. Do you think that it's something that can still be good, or is it going to, like Jamie said with Gravity, is it going to kind of lose a lot of that quality once it's seen on a smaller screen? Possibly. Um, possibly, um, and again, like I, I, we we were talking for a little bit before this uh, podcast, 
um, started recording, but I did mention that um, this is only the first film. Again, with the second film, I think our opinions would really change. I can't give much opinion on the, on the plot because it's really half the story. Even more so, for like quarter of the story, just it just kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have to see both of them back to back. I would be so happy if I went into the cinema, saw the first one, had a small break, and went back into the cinema and saw the second one. I would have been happy out with that. And, and I know it's not possible onto for such a long time. You know, like uh, well, when's the next one coming out? It's not for another three or four years, isn't it? I mean, the next one. Yeah, I think, it's, got I think it's two years away. Yeah, and that's such a long time. And so, like, we're really talking about half the story right now at the moment. So um, we'll have to see how how much ages after we see the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think you're spot on there with it being because I think the thing with gravity is that it wasn't really plot. It was all spectacle. That was just a very thin plot of a woman being stuck in a spaceship trying to get home, whereas there's so many moving parts in June. And just every single one could be a movie in its own right. It's so like galactic, expansive. And yeah, this is the first part, but I think with this film being two and a half hours long, I felt it was like an hour long. And then when it ended, I was just like, I need more of this. And that's, but I think like at the moment, certainly that kind of just love of how good it was and just wanting more is going to kind of hopefully stable like keep me through until the next one comes out yeah i really um i i see so now this is this is something that i was wondering just from from your perspective i had read the book i had tried to i tried to finish it before the film came out and i managed to just say before um when i was watching it i because i had just read it i had all these like different uh you know, thoughts and stuff that were going on that I knew what they were, each character was thinking at these different times. But when right. it came out, people I had seen the film with were like, they didn't know what was going on. They really, in fact, none of them liked it, which is really interesting to me. Um, so I wonder from from your perspective, having gone in, didn't read the book, so you had no kind of background knowledge. Did you? How did you find uh, dealing with the plot and kind of following it oh i i i loved it i i thought it's it's such a complex um family plot like these 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 huge yeah it's it's felt like the medieval times like it went up another like mainstream franchise uh game of thrones this this complex family with, with complex rules these complex rituals going up against politics but also with 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 war and, and tradition and this and this culture that go, is so ancient it's yeah it's a, it's a nice mix between space opera and um kind of like royalty royalty politics and uh it's it's very very well done and I, what i also liked about it was it, it reminded me a bit of the uh the star wars prequels where it had this, this kind of like it sounds a bit critical but it's not this dry acting it's kind of like it, the same with the Matrix. It had this like dry, sort of unemotional acting, but it works so well for that sort of science fiction. It makes it look so much epic, so big that that, that, that what's going on is so dramatic. And you know what? It, that's what space opera is. It's, it's a spectacle. It's a huge Shakespearean show. It's that's what my, this is all my opinion. What 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 a space opera is? It's like it's like you're watching a, sh- a stage show, but it's 
in space and <laughs> it's spaceships and it's not on earth it's unearthly actually but yet again it ha- has that serious acting sort of like esque to it mm-hmm. and I, I i thought it kind of shared that same with the prequel star wars films would have you know like um that, that seriousness acting over serious nearly um paul you know didn't have too much emotion you can you can argue about what he was go what he's going through yet it worked so well of who paul was you know um so yeah well what what do you think um yeah no i totally agree with everything you said it's just it's it's very much it does it's very much like star wars when it's game of thrones because it's got the kind of galactic scale of star wars but the like the houses for example are game of thrones and then just the kind of grounded nature of it and the like the um, kind of stone-faced acting you're completely right because it you know just it makes it seem like it's so normal to them so kind of everyday which for us just almost makes it seem a little bit more like hard to believe you just get all this like otherworldly music you get all the otherworldly like images it's just yeah blows me away yeah that was the thing they really pieced everything together really well Having having read the book, I definitely felt like this was a film that was made for um, those who have read the book. It was made for fans of Dune, which was one thing that kind of worried me then. I was like, oh my God, people aren't, aren't going to like it and it's not going to get the second part, which for anyone who's really enjoyed the book, it's going to be uh, really, really disappointing. But it did get greenlit pretty quickly. That's one of my massive respects for this for this film and the whole Dune franchise. It's not like Star Wars or or um, Game of Thrones or other big franchises that make things they have to make themselves a bit accessible for that audience. Like Star Wars feels they always have to put in a comic relief. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, Game of Thrones, I don't know, has to make itself look like um, Gladiator with loads of big massive action scenes. But with with this with Dune, there's also there's almost a sense of relief that it just is, it's this niche, and it wants to stay in that niche. Whatever comes from it, either it's the previous film or the or whatever reincarnations come from Dune, it seems to stay as this artistic um, uniqueness that I really respect about it, and uh, it's really cool. And I, I think you can be a fan of it and and and, and know that it's. You know, going to stay at this like underground fan base. Now, I go of course like this might be the change of it because a, a lot of people have gone to see it, but um, it's just really made my fascination and, my, and a lot of respect for me for for this huge franchise. Yeah, no. So from everything that I've seen, kind of surrounding the film, it's always centered on the director, Denny Villeneuve, basically saying he read this book when he was a teenager. And mm. all he's wanted to do his whole career is make this film. And yeah, everyone I know who has about as good a adaptation as you could possibly get for the stage they're at in the book. And the fact they're kind of taking their time with it and spreading it out across however many films they're going to do in the end. But also the film somehow still like keeps such an electric pace. It's amazing. Amazing. That's a funny thing with pace, though, isn't it, with that? Because <clears throat> I had a, a bizarrely kind of bizarre criticisms of it, which were kind of mixed with 
God, it was so slow. And when will the action? The action was just constant. And I was like, okay, well, it can't. It has to be one or the other of those. But um, I understood. The thing is, I actually understood both of those criticisms because mm. um, mild spoilers. But there were, yeah, there were action action scenes within it, and they were kind of squeezed in because in the book it takes a lot. There's a lot of politics. And it takes a long time to kind of squeeze through all that kind of mm-hmm. that um, yeah, like a big drama, like a big, like you say, it's like a big opera, you know. It's just all yeah. this drama going behind the scenes. Mm, but it like... manages to squeeze that really well in. Very mm. So do you think they kind of chose the right through line through the kind of political quagmire of the book? Like to get the story that they wanted, do you think they've done, like they've selected the right amount of detail? I thought it was perfect. Uh, Phil, you've read a bit of the book now as well, probably. Yeah, and actually, interesting enough, I actually reached a point where the, where the film ended. Mm-hmm. So, sure. so, um, so now I had to deal with politics that's brand new to me. But again, I kind of like the manipulation that was in that was in the books, the secret kind of under schemes of all the characters, including including the Baron and and all his scheming friends or not friends. <laughs> and Yue, he was his story is a lot bigger in the in in the book he's the he's the guy who who you know who who double who who ended spoiler up coming up <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 oh yeah spoiler spoiler yeah we don't, we don't do spoilers sorry <laughs> we can probably um we could we could say safely now we've been going for good 13 minutes or so we say we can do spoilers from now on it's a warning what we can do is we can add a sound <laughs> effect and every time spoilers are going to come up <laughs> i don't yeah. think it's so bad everyone and, knows something ha- some 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 something's going to go down so so he's kind yeah. of the, the trigger for that um but he he has a bigger part in the book and they kind mm-hmm. of minimize his role in the um in 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 the film they, yeah what well, in the book interesting like thinking of the spoiler thing in the book Frank Herbert just doesn't believe in, in spoilers at all. He, he just puts it like every at the beginning of every, every chapter pretty much tells you what's going to happen in that chapter. <laughs> it's, uh, so it really is like he's not relying on any of that kind of shock or the, any of this kind of stuff or mystery. It's all just about the, about how it kind of speaks to how intricate the plot is. <laughs> because mm. you knew about UA in the book. Pretty much the second they even mentioned his name, they're like, "Yeah, this guy's gonna do this." <laughs> you're like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> I see." <laughs> but even so, what they took out, I thought there was enough to to satisfy the film, and he was still a complex character to his own means, and I still got all that from the film about his about his um why he was he was motivated to do what he did. I even got that from the film, even though it was a lot vaguer. Um, if you if you if you're into this sort of film, if you're into space opera and science fiction, or you're into complex storylines with complex characters, you would pick this. You would pick it up, despite the book, of course, going into it with more detail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I felt I felt the very same. Feel that they, of course, they had to cut things down. There were certain scenes that. There weren't many that were cut out completely, but there were, of course, moments that were that were cut out um, that wouldn't probably wouldn't have been as entertaining even if they were in the book. 
but um, I still think they they picked the the right ones. And even the um, one thing that I really enjoyed, and I wonder about for for yourselves, you know, the scene where Paul Atreides, when he was having the kind of visions of the future, they did those so so well mm-hmm. because what he's seeing, and they didn't they didn't say these, but I want to know. Actually, I want to know if there's anything that you guys picked up on on that. Did you did, like did you like those kind of the way that they dealt with the visions and the kind of Things. Um, again, like I, I can't give much opinion to it because that that's really the central plot to the whole big epic of Dune, and I really want to see the second one to see the outcome of those dreams. Um, I know, I know, some of them already, you know, happened that he met up with um, Johnny. Um, yeah, so like he 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 had a dream saying he met up with Johnny, which did actually happen at the end of the film, but still, like. Um, I had to see the second one to, to mm. have a full opinion of that. What do you think, uh, Jamie? They were just like just beautiful to look at. Like all like the whole image was just glistening with the with the spice and it was just like shining through every pore of the screen, which just it was beautiful to look at at first. And yeah, and they they give you a hint of what's to come, I think. So, certainly I think like we'll find it out at the end, but I don't know. Again, it was just there was something about this movie which everything left me wanting more, but in like a really good way, not in a dissatisfied way, in a way of like, oh, I cannot wait until I see that. I'm happy to wait because they bet as long as they make it good, it's going to be great. But yeah, it just kind of it's it's almost it's just so enticing. Enticing's the word. It's very enticing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm actually not going to say anything about what I have observed or realized about the, the, the vision. And I'm just going to say for anyone who's going to watch the film, just just keep an eye on them, watch them. There's some interesting, interesting stuff there. And then when the second one comes out, we'll be able to make more of a uh, more of a decision on them. But yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. And we can't really talk about Dune without talking about about worms. So <laughs> we were both thinking the same thing. I was just thinking about the worms just there. Yeah. Which were bear, which were cleverly done. Another thing I like about this movie is I don't want to look up any. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to look up any behind the scenes. I don't want to know how they did those worms. I don't. Mm. I want to keep it like a, that magic trick. Like nowadays, if I ever watch a good film, I I recently watched The Green Knight, oh, which was really good. Yeah, and also a stunning cinematographic movie. Um, and as soon as I watched it, I went home and I, I I watched behind the scenes, and I really really enjoyed how they did all that movie magic. Mm. But with Dune, I really don't want to because I just really enjoyed that magic and those worms. I don't want to know how they did them. But they just look so big, so so mm. monstrous, and um, I like the way we just never get to see a proper spectacle of who and what those creatures are. And we might see more of them in the second movie. We, we'll see, but what we barely saw of them in this movie was very, very um, gigantic. <laughs> <laughs> An obsession I developed over lockdown, interestingly enough, was watching vfx and how it's created there's a youtube channel called corridor digital who do like a vfx breakdown thing 
and they did one in June recently, and it just, it, yeah, it's uh, they didn't talk about the worms, but like, they talked about how the sand moves and how it kind of, like, if you get an air current blowing underneath sand, it'll create the sand, it'll turn into, like, a liquid, and that's, like, the effects where, kind of, when, I don't think this is spoiled, when worms about to appear, everything just kind of sinks down, but it, lo- it looks realistic, it's, like, picture perfect. Um, but what your one thing I was going to ask you guys actually is how does um, like the firstly the ornithopter, but also like um, like the worms and like the um, Atreides ships, how do they compare to what you imagine they'd be from reading the book? Exactly, exactly what they were from the book. I think they did an excellent job. Even the shields as well. Even some, I was stunned how much they carried over from 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 the book when I read it afterwards. They they, they just had the shields, the 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 copters, the even even the little animals in it. There, um, it's it's so fun, and I think I think anyone that's enjoyed the book would see these machines come to life and give a very very good depiction of of interpretation from from this movie. What what do you think? I think the same. Honestly, it did a better job than I could have imagined. You know, that uh, especially the the ornithopters, like they they looked really really cool, um, perfectly imagined. Um, the shields were great. Uh, it was funny because I did look at the um, the old the old film and the shields in that one, uh, the Lynch one. Oh, they're just dreadful. There's these big squares around them. It looks it just looks so bad. <laughs> But uh, um, it, it just looked great in this one, so I was really glad, glad about that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to compare because I think Phil, you said earlier that this is going to age really well, and I think the same thing. And when you look at, and this isn't anything to do with this is a technology, like just a technology that we have now. I actually believe that what we have now creates such that creates stuff that looks just so real. Um, whereas, you know, you go back 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and what you're doing is tr- you're trying to create something that, that looks as real as we can get, you know? So obviously you're happy with it, but, you know, that old dune isn't going to age as well. Whereas this one, I feel like, I, I don't know if people are going to ever remake this, you know? I don't think this is going to be like oh, 50 years from now and they'll say, let's give it another shot, you know? Well, what's the beat? <laughs> like, um, the best example I can give there is, is the Baron. The, the whole scenes with the cinematography and what they did with the Baron was just unbelievable. He's such a... He's such a... unhuman. Um, such a Lovecraftian... ruler. And uh, I think I think that's those sort of scenes to me again. I, I know I'm repeating myself, but I think seeing, even though technology might go even further and get better at creating uh, graphics and, and movie tricks and get better at our illusions, that the, that the, the 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 graphics in in Dune might might age. I think still the artist artistic choices. Would 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 still be there and still make that movie such a unique experience. The one thing that I'm going to say about about it, the one thing that um, that I thought after seeing it was 
you know, I would have liked a little bit more emphasis on water. The water is such an important part and dude, as soon as a desert planet, and there's all they've got these suits that essentially save every bit of water that their body uh, releases so that they, I think they lose like one milliliter of water a day or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. And I think in the book, I was like, I was just uh, dying of thirst even reading it, like thinking, oh my God, this is such a death, like this is so desperate. And water is essentially like, water is just life. You know, and you really felt that it was like it was, it was uh, the holy thing almost because of how sacred it was. But um, not it's not a massive complaint. That was the one thing that could have had a little more emphasis, I thought. The spice as well. I was very surprised. And one thing I knew from doing before I ever seen it from reading the book, spice played a big part in it. I was surprised how little it actually played a part in, 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 in the movie. Uh, it was mentioned, and that's why they took the planet. But um, otherwise, it was not brought up as much as I thought it would. And mm. water is w- well, but it's it's only just a little nitpick. They could have mm. taken more stuff from the book to emphasize on the water. They could have talked about Paul mentioning rain or drowning, which is in the book. But otherwise, um, again, it's just nitpick. It's, yeah. Um, uh, what they chose, the better bring out the story, I thought, uh, worked. Um, well, but what do you think about Jamie? Um, yeah, well, I'd, I'll be honest, I don't think I have any nitpicks. I mean, that's because I haven't read the book. But, um, yeah, it just, like, um, it's, like, yeah, I think, I, obviously you can tell the spice is going to have a bigger role to play. And I do think like as an as a kind of outsider to the world in a way um you can tell its importance you don't know exactly why you can tell exactly how but i think like they kind of trickle in all these details um we were talking about the score a little bit and just how like i love the score the one thing that everyone is talking about though of course is the bagpipe they're just most random element <laughs> But there's just this really alien type score going on, all these alien sounds, and then they get off Perfect the ship at Arrakis. It's not your typical bagpipe sound. It sounded psychedelic nearly. Mm. Um, definitely yeah. some Iranian influence there with the bagpipe. Yeah. And it's worked so well. That was probably one of my most favorite scenes from the whole film. That was unique to the film as well. Really, really cool. And you know, like if I can't if I can't have a full opinion on the plot just yet, I can have a full opinion on the score, and the score is fantastic. Yeah, mm. it's just like the the score almost acts as for as little emotion as Paul Atreides shows. The score does a lot of heavy lifting. It just it's like it's consistent throughout the whole film, and just every single scene, you kind of know exactly what's what every character is feeling because of the score. And yeah, just like the variety of instruments he used, and then obviously the bagpipes, which. So I I read I read somewhere that apparently, um, Denis Villeneuve sees House of Trades as Celts, kind of Celtic warriors, kind of the, the humane people on the planet. So that's why. And the other interesting fact is that the 
bagpipes were recorded in Edinburgh, where I'm from, um, during the pandemic in a massive church. So I don't know what they did with it, but yeah, it's really cool. Very good. I actually, it's interesting, Phil, I had a similar, because a lot of people didn't like the bagpipes, but I thought, well, what the hell, they're not. And I thought, to be honest, you know, it makes sense that any world would have kind of these kind of different acoustic instruments, like, you know, a type of guitar or a type of wind instrument. And the scale that they were using was really weird in the bagpipes. And I really, I thought, yeah, that, that makes sense. They'd have a similar instrument, but the scales would be all you know, very different. So I thought, I thought it worked too. It really worked. And I thought, and it was big ceremony. It really bought the idea that these are alien, but very space opera. So you don't mind, so great way of summarizing what that whole big scene went. Um, uh, very, very space opera. And I can't wait for other people to see it because it's probably one of the best moments in the film for me. I really enjoyed that scene, especially thinking back to it. Um, and that's something you got to experience in the cinema. Yeah. I would agree. Um, I think that's probably a perfect place to leave off on. Go see it in the cinema if you get the chance. I do know that there are cinemas who are going to be planning to play um, Dune, the first Dune, before the second Dune when it comes out eventually. So you will get a second chance if you do miss it this time. And I know now, Phil, your dream of just going straight from one Dune to the next can be, <laughs> can be accomplished. So. That would um, be that'd be great. Um, <laughs> else, I just get a projector set up in my room and just. <laughs> That's it. If you can't do, can't cinema, do the projector. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, guys, thanks so much for chatting with me about Dune. That was it was great to hear your thoughts. And um, thank you, listeners, for coming along. Um, I hope you enjoyed, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you.